Dukes has twang. Does your mayo have it? Do you ask for it by name when you go out to eat? Do you display your devotion to it for all the world to see? Can it elevate your lime cilantro aioli to a level that's borderline holy? If not, you're probably using the wrong mayo. That's because only Duke's mayo has twang. It's that little southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Get Duke's. It's got twang. Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Wednesday, everybody, and welcome in to the Gramlick and MacLean podcast, episode 243. We are presented by Duke's Mayo, and we have two bowl games to preview today. We're talking Fenway Bowl, Louisville, Cincinnati, and the Gasparilla Bowl between Wake Forest and Missouri. And we have a little special guest to help us with the Louisville side, Mac. And what you guys don't see right now is Mac being a superhero father. Oh, As we recorded on. with Mark today... <laughs> And, um, you know, previously and right now, he was doing some daddy duty. He was literally watching the monitor as we were recording. Just amazing work. And um, hey, shout out listen, to Amelia for staying listen, asleep. Yeah, sh- shout out. That's the shout out. Shout out to her for participating at a very high level. Uh, but, yeah, you, you don't need to give me credit. It's just the job. You know, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. Uh, like but, yeah, that, big shout out to her for, for not losing her mind while mom was running some errands. Because I thought there was a chance of that. And you just see an empty chair sitting here in KG would handle the interview, which would have been flawless. Um, but yeah, big guess. Uh, there's too much drama happening right now in Louisville, or I guess was. There's, there's not drama anymore. Um, maybe if you're a basketball player. There's always drama in Louisville. Always something. Always something. So we had to bring somebody in. And, and our guy, Mark Ennis, uh, if you guys remember, he helped us do kind of the Louisville breakdown after last year when we did our ACC under review. Love this guy. I do radio with him all the time whenever he asks. Uh, so we had to get his opinion. All things Louisville. So our Duke's Mayo guest. Mark Ennis, let's get to it. Mark, thank you again for coming on the podcast. You're back. When Uh, we need to talk Louisville, we go to you. How are you doing, my friend? uh, I'm doing great. Uh, This has been another week or so uh, reminder of uh, that I I truly have the easiest job in the world. Like (laughs) it's the the number of people who are like, is it ever boring there? And I'm like. (laughs) It is not. It is never. <laughs> Say what you want about Louisville, but it is yeah. never boring. That That's is right. for sure. Before we jump into the coaching news out at Louisville, I know that you've been covering Mississippi State a good bit, and you've talked with Mike Leach before, and of course we just saw the news that he passed away. Incredibly sad. Um, just give us your thoughts on Mike Leach and, and his legacy in college football. I mean, he's, uh, I say this uh, like the full spectrum of the meaning of the word here. He's a weird guy. Uh, and and but incredibly impactful and i think his weirdness you know it it hindered him and sort of the way he related to people sometimes and it freed him up to just sort of be whatever he thought would work best and i think i've grown as i've gotten to be a a, like a fully an adult and and have kids and stuff i just come to really love the coaches who see football for like exactly what it is not less and not more and i you know he is I think Lane Kiffin's kind of like that. I think yeah. that Mike Leach is like that. Steve Spurrier was like that. Like, yeah, it's just football. You know? it, but, but for Leach, it's like I don't need – he didn't do any of the uh, the ego kind of gratifying stuff. And he was certainly not for, – for someone who was sort of praised as like an offensive genius, I don't think he ever really wanted people to 
right. look at him that way. And I think for him, he, I remember vividly like an interview he was talking about, uh, you know, some coaches have got 15 different plays that'll throw the ball in the flat. He's like, how about we have two? <laughs> you know, because we're still going to get out there. You know, and, and stuff like that. And so I think sort of freeing himself from some of that. He was a weird guy. And he, you know, Dylan Johnson, he, he called, tells him he's not very tough. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that. Uh, like he would, ne- you know, he's crazy, but he wasn't irrational. You know, right. I, I truly believe that. I think he's just, you know, over the last, I've made this comment about Howard earlier. And like, there are a handful of guys where like their impact on college football is everywhere. And I think Mike Leach is one of those guys. No question. No question. Going to be surely missed. Surely missed. He was always himself, and I think that yeah. is definitely part of his legacy. And then just, of course, the, his his handprints all over the air raid and, and just how football evolved. And More, he loved to talk. He loved to talk. We, he loved, did. I'll, I'll let you go. we had him on the show four years ago. He was still at Washington State. He comes on a Louisville radio show. Four, 39 minutes, 37 seconds. It's wow. amazing. It's insane. What, what was the point of having him on? Just because he's so... Because, because he's like, hammering as a character. exactly right. That is Yes, awesome. just is what awesome. can we get him to talk and about? And he said, sure, tell. absolutely, I'll come. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> and then texted and was like, thanks for having me on. I was, no, buddy. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. What Very a guy. Cool. Well, rest in peace to Mike Leach and thoughts and prayers out to his family. Um, some other coaching news, Mark. Let's dive in. We're going to talk Where? about Louisville's bowl game. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps in Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. Scott Satterfield leaves for Cincinnati. Louisville hires the guy that it seems fans have wanted for a while in Jeff Brom. Can you walk us through, Mark, how this kind of all went down? Yeah, it, it went down very, very quickly. Uh, it was pretty obvious, uh, I think, from some conversations, not uh, this past Monday, but the one Sunday evening, Saturday and Sunday, uh, that uh, that in meeting with, with Josh heard that Scott wasn't going to get a raise, mm. you know, that even if Louisville had agreed to extend him because he was going to have two years left on his deal, that it wasn't, that he wasn't going to get a raise. And, and Scott is, is really unique in Louisville football's kind of modern history. They've had coaches who either fell on their faces or ultimately were, were really good. And then they left and they mm-hmm. sort of promoted their way, you know, out of here. And Scott's the first guy to ever really kind of fly in between those two. Mm-hmm. So none of us really knew, what that even looked like, you know, it's been a launching pattern or they failed and you've, you've had to fix it. And he sort of was, was in that in between. And when, I think when he realized, Hey, they're not going to, to do this, they're not going to give me a raise uh, with, with an extension. I think that they were just going to give him the years. He did what Bud Elliott called, you know, reset the clock and looked for a place uh, where he could at least sort of maintain this, but get more years and try to do it, you know, somewhere else. It was pretty obvious with the South Carolina thing after year two, that he wasn't, thrilled with being here and and i don't know that we'll ever get the whole truth about you know how much if beth wasn't happy here or what have you uh but it it, it's a as fortuitous as it could be i jeff talked about it he found out the same way i did i'm standing i'm in line with my kid trying to let him out at school and and my phone just starts blowing up and his was the same way Uh, and so that was monday morning and they got the negotiations done by by wednesday afternoon and it was Mm -hmm. i mean it it could not have gone any better on, I think, on the Louisville side. And for me, it, look, this will sound like sour grapes, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it's, it'll be fascinating to watch the Cincinnati side because I, I think whatever we think Scott didn't maybe love about Cincinnati, I feel, or about Louisville, Cincinnati is all of that. You know, I, so I'm kind of curious what, what he was doing besides sort of finding maybe like a safer landing spot uh, because he certainly would have entered next year kind of up in the air. Right. And we kind of would have done like what we did this year. Uh, so maybe Cincinnati sort of gets him a chance to sort of start that over and feel a little bit more secure. But 
Uh, maybe in the end here, this can be one of those coaching changes where nobody loses. Maybe. <laughs> That would be nice. That would be nice. Well, I, I think, you know, just looking around saying, hey, what school has a rival that doesn't play football? Can I go there? Can I be a part? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That was rude. That was very rude of me. Um, I, I do want to ask you this because I am very intrigued about this uh, this That's situation so here. What? Why didn't it work? What? Why didn't the, the situation work? Is, is it strictly that of kind of what you said of just not loving Louisville, not loving where he was? In, in your best mindset, why was it? What, what happened? Yeah, it, I think it, I don't think it really had anything necessarily to do about the like the football football part of it as as much as it was just sort of a quality of uh, of life. And I don't you know, I, th I think fit and, and comfort level kind of where you are, are those things that we don't ever get to see. But they're such huge parts of whether coaches are successful or if they're happy uh, there. Uh, he never really verbalized a lot of that. But I think fans, uh, Eric, I remember you talking about this, you know, some of the later games this season where Louisville was playing good football and playing some pretty decent opponents, and the crowds were just mm. paltry. Uh, and, and that was – Bad. It was bad. I mean, a top-10 team comes to town, and there's 12,000 people in the stands of a 60,000 yeah. stadium. No, it was it was bad. And, and, and I've seen some pretty small crowds. I mean, Louisville fans have – Louisville is still kind of new when it comes to, like, doing football the way you're supposed to do it. It's the 80s, really. Uh, and so, like, it's a young fan base, and they don't have – they don't draw into the 50s and 60s like late in the year. It's always kind of like that. But it was bad. And I think people just sort of could just pick up. There's, um, there's a desperation that I think a, kind of a coach in his spot uh, shows. And, and like you can't miss it. And he, I don't think he ever really showed people mm -hmm. that. Uh, and I, I'm not saying he didn't want to win. I'm saying there's just like he's like, this has got to work. I think he was sort of we everyone picked up that we were all biding our time. I think right. that's why wow. people that were maybe on the fence just sort of stayed away. And ultimately, I mean, those people were right. Yeah. And I ripped them for like the whole year and then they were right. <laughs> well, there you go. And I, th I think that's a great way to describe it, Mark. And when we look at Jeff Brom, again, we've heard Louisville fans, Louisville Twitter saying, Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom for quite a few years now. Why? I'm assuming you think it's a good fit. If not, tell me. But <laughs> why do you think? This is a, a good fit for Louisville. Uh, I, well, I think it's a it's a really good fit because Jeff is not just he's not just like a guy who went to Louisville. You know, he is from Louisville. Mm -hmm. you know, and his dad was a legendary high school football coach here, and he played here in high school and had the option the uh, the you know the ability to or options to go somewhere else and stayed here. And you know, Howard Stellenberger when Louisville hired him. Uh, very famously uh, said that the you know, Louisville's on a collision course with the national championship. The only variable is time. And like, and then like the first really big recruit that he signed was Jeff Brom. And so he connects with, uh, with kind of the, the overachiever uh, thing that really exists in Louisville football. Cause Louisville, you don't get help from the state and the whole state roots for Kentucky outside right. of sort of Jefferson County. It's like, mm. it's just us. And yeah. Jeff like is, is all of that. <laughs> Uh, and then when it comes to like the job, like he, he knows every high school coach in town and has for like 20 years, you know, so all of those kind of little functional things, uh, his staff coming back with Brian Brom and Chris Barclay, these guys that all played here, Ron English was here, but Steve Cracker was here. Like it's a, it's a staff and a sort of a way of doing things that, that are all very familiar with sort of what makes Louisville tick. And I just don't think that thing where it's like we were connected here that Scott never got. Mm. Uh, I don't, I mean, Jeff has that now. Right. And, and it's also like, it's kind of like Mario Cristobal in Miami 
before the season happened, where this <laughs> is like the goal. Like, this is it. Like, I want yeah. to be at Louisville. I want to be a part of this program. I, I, I want to see this be successful. And for me, even though, again, I jokingly say about Mario that, that the season didn't go as he likes, but – I mean, that hurts him. It physically hurts him when he sees his team play to a certain level, a lot like I think, you know, Coach Brom is going to do. So from that a- aspect and, and looking at, okay, what, what is he going to be able to do immediately with keeping that recruiting group together? I mean, I, I think that's going to be the first win. And obviously, from some tweets we've seen, it seems like he's being pretty successful at doing so. Yeah, I think he's got a brand. And Louisville fans – uh, want the football team to play a certain way too. Like, I, you know, I, I think that uh, we have been down a uh, spoiled, I think is the right word. You know, there are college football programs who can't list off from the eighties forward, Brownie Nagel, Jeff Brom, Brian Brom, Stefan LaForce, Dave Ragone, Br- uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson. Like these quarterbacks have been spectacular mm-hmm. for, for decades. Chris Redmond, uh, and we have been spoiled and, and kind of accustomed to innovative kind of offensive guys. Uh, and Jeff ultimately, obviously, you know, sort of fits into that sort of thing as well here. So all the the things that people like Jeff is what Louisville football like people watch Purdue. They're like, man, I wish that was that was here. And right now, now you're going to get it. <laughs> so when you look at this before we move on to the bowl game, when you look at this hiring, when you look at the juice, when you look at the excitement that will inevitably be there for spring for summer going into fall camp what can he do to win year one in regards to from a fan standpoint for the success how can he capture all of that if he hasn't already just because of who he is uh, i i well honestly look at what scott did the last nine months like like he said about mario before the season actually happened like you know people were, were really out on scott and then they started to put together that recruiting class and by the time the season started again people were like we're gonna be all right uh, and then the season started and there was a little bit more uh, dissatisfaction with it. But, you know, I think getting a, a, this recruiting class sort of landed with, with most of these high profile guys, the, it seems like they're in pretty good shape that they're going to hold on to them. But uh, if there's a quarterback uh, a, a, that's, that's ready to go in the spring, I would imagine they'll be pretty active in the portal. Jeff Brom's offense and what we've seen and quarterbacks, if they, they have a transfer quarterback, I think you can help them right away, whoever that might be. Uh, I think the the hype will be off the charts, and the schedule's a lot easier next year. You start off with Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Uh, you, you get uh, the you know the divisions are gone. Right. It's just kind of a new day uh, for for everybody else to sort of not be buried under Clemson, Eric <laughs> Kelly. It's, uh, freedom for the we're rest. Happy, of we're us. happy for you. We're happy for you. <laughs> it's true though, are. and and Florida State, you know, that coming in for this year. And it's funny when you look at Louisville and Pitt entering the league, and you see Pitt enters the Coastal, and Louisville probably is thinking, well, if we had been in the Coastal, who knows what would have happened. But anyway, let's get to this bowl game, the Fenway Bowl, the bowl game that everyone's talking about. And I honestly don't – I'm not saying that jokingly because the coaching drama here is fascinating. Like, this is unreal that Satterfield left for the team that you're playing in the bowl game. And, of course, I know Satterfield's not coaching. Jeff Brom's not coaching. I assume they both will be there, I'm guessing – how do you think? Wouldn't it be funny if they sat together? Wouldn't it be funny like, if they had like a, a boxing <laughs> a match at halftime? I mean, yes. that would be cool too. <laughs> Make this for TV. First take is argue. Right. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, do you see this having any effect? And mainly for me, if I'm a Louisville player and I'm thinking, okay, Satterfield just left us for this team. I feel like Louisville might have a little extra motivation here. Do you see that at all? I think it's possible. You know, I, I think the, the – 
the primary challenge of picking almost every bowl game that's not a playoff game is trying to figure out who cares. And I mean that. Who's, who cares about the game and for what reason? And certainly I think you can look at this and say, for young Louisville guys, they're the guy they came to play for left. And he, and he, went, to go, he went to go coach them. So, uh, yeah, I think that you will certainly will see that. And some of the older players are like, this is my last game. I'm pissed off. You ruined my last game. Yeah, and so you've seen some of that. You see Abdul is going to play. Uh, some of the more uh, experienced offensive pieces are not. So I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. And, and Louisville's got six quality control guys coaching in the bowl game. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be a nuts kind of game, I think, for both teams in terms of who's actually out there. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I think making a good impression on your new coaches is something that's going to f- to be there for for both teams. You know, I think Cincinnati's got you know th- those players want to make a good impression on Scott too. Yeah, and, and I think that's the the biggest, I guess, you know, opportunity. If I'm looking at this from a younger player, if I'm looking at this from a guy that is not moving on, man, what what a great opportunity here for for me to go ahead and show these guys this is the type of work ethic I have. This is the type of player I want to be for you. Um, so I'm with that. I, I think 100% that's the thing that you can see with so many guys just opting out and, and not playing. I mean, do you have any indication of, of what this team is going to look? I mean, it's probably going to be the Doman show. I mean, and, and that, is, that has been good yeah. at times. And, and then maybe Jordan plays, maybe doesn't. Who, who knows? I mean, it, it's so hard to look at this team. But what do you think we see from Louisville? Uh, I look. I think you, it'll look a lot like the Kentucky game in terms of like who's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. Tyler Hudson, I, you won't have out there. So this is a big opportunity for young uh, run, Jordan and Maurice Turner at running back, and, and then all of the young guys at wide receiver mm-hmm. uh, that that got some some reps throughout uh, the season. Amari, Amari Huggins, Bruce has been pretty excited about uh, Jeff Brom coming in. Chris Bell. Uh, maybe Chance Marlowe, like a freshman wide receiver who barely played a little bit. Like you're going to get some guys at the skill positions in particular, I think going to get a lot of run that didn't get it uh, during the season. And it, I mean, it'll be sort of a, oh, like a super controlled spring game almost right. where it's like, here are your future pieces <laughs> right. and, and guys maybe trying to get a little bit of a head start on somebody else. For do, sure. do you think anything will come of, um, you know, with, with coach being there with, an alum coaching in this game with, with uh, Branch, you know, is there any extra motivation that will be pulled out? Is there, man, you better represent the the name on the front, the the logo on the side. Do you envision that being anything to, to maybe draw from? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Dion's been downright emotional about it, uh, you know, for him to sort of be the guy there. I, I don't expect Kerry Coombs to be any different. He he, he looks like Ohio football uh, to me. Like when I, he just, he does. Uh, so no, I think that's sort of the personal pride element. Both guys are going to be, you know, sort of playing on that. And these are rivals who used to play mm-hmm. very regularly. The keg so of nails. The keg of nails. That's right. Uh, look, there's a, it's, it's a, I miss playing Cincinnati. Those were some great games. Uh, and Cincinnati has been very similar to Louisville and sort of like this uh, coach launching uh, place right. uh, f- for, for up and comers, you sort of overachieve and then get launched out somewhere else between the two of them. I mean, a whole bunch of really recognizable names have been really successful there. And I, I think it'll be a fun game. All right. Last one for you, Mark. We're just asking for some help because Louisville is a one point favorite. We're going to pick this game on today's episode. Do you have a pick for us? How do you think this game goes? <laughs> uh, I would bet the under. Yes, we both that's, are yes, in on the under. 100%. Yeah, that's, I, you know, we have a gambling guy on the radio show every Thursday. And a lot of times he's like, why would you bet this game? And I'm like, well, you're the professional. You tell me why I would bet right. this game. He's like, I'm not going to bet this game. <laughs> and 
I'm Thanks for coming to you. That's yeah, I know, right? You're the expert. <laughs> right. I guarantee you, he he would say exactly the same thing about this one. There, there's just there's so much unknown, and then even with the players that you know, just the the emotional part of it is going to be December seventeenth and. Fenway Park, <laughs> it's gonna be weird. Uh, so I don't know. I would just bet the under. I, you're gonna, it's gonna be Chris. Uh, it's not gonna be crisp offensive football. I think from either side. So I just, I would be shocked if there's if it's some sort of a track me kind of game. I'm with you. I'm with you. But it is college football, and because you said that, it'll probably happen. It'll probably be a track <laughs> meet. So can't wait. Can't wait to see it. I just want to thank you guys for. I think we've gotten to the end, and we have not talked about basketball at all, and that's great. We can promise you that we've will not run happen. out of time. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mark. Thank you for coming, man. Appreciate you, and uh, man, excited for the future of Louisville. Think Coach Brom is. Uh, we've been waiting on it for quite some time, yeah. and we're excited that he's here. Sure thing, guys. Anytime. Big shout out to our friend Mark, all things Louisville. There was some intriguing stuff there, KG, with the coaching changes, why it might have happened, uh, and his thoughts on Brahm. I'm really excited to speak with him one day and just to have him in the ACC. I think he's going to do us wonders. But our Duke's Mayo guest, and guys, Duke's Mayo has that little Southern something that makes good things better. Duke's is delicious sandwiches, salads, key ingredients in baking. KG was talking about that on Monday. You don't even know that it's in there. And it's just this Duke's Mayo that makes everything better. Low-carb friendly, thick and creamy texture since when? 1917. They know what they're doing. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and that bold Southern flavor that we love. (laughs) In addition to the flagship mayo, which of course should be the only mayo in your fridge, which is still made according to Mrs. Eugenia Duke's original recipe in, shout out, Greenville, South Carolina. They also offer flavored... Mayonnaise, in addition. They also have southern sauces, which Mac uses all the time when he's grilling. And their mustards. I am a huge mustard person. I love their mustards. They have four different mustards. I think they all will change your life. I always say that. I think the bourbon one is just unreal. And it just takes a sandwich to a next level. So check these things out. Go over to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same Wang. Come on, KG. Come on. So what, you, the bourbon's your favorite? That's your favorite mustard? Yes. I think that's my favorite one. But I Not also the close. Chipotle one. The Chipotle one is also really good. So thought, the brown sugar bourbon one, and the yeah. Chipotle. I thought the Chipotle might be pretty high on your list. So that's, that's it's good hard to, know. to choose. It's good. It's to hard know. to choose. I, I can't live without either. I'll just put it that way. Can you live without the Fenway Bowl? How about that? No. <laughs> no, Eric McLean. The Fenway Bowl, the wasabi Fenway Bowl. Wasabi. Louisville versus Cincinnati. You heard some of Mark Ennis' thoughts on this bowl. This is 11 a.m. on December 17th on ESPN. Louisville's a one-point favorite. The total is 41 and a half. And we both think that this game is going to be a defensive slugfest, as does our friend Mark Ennis, and he's the expert. We trust him on all things Louisville. <laughs> so I would take the under, even though 41 and a half is a low number. Mm-hmm. I think this could be like a 17-14, you know, yes. 17-10 kind yes. of game. And we know that we'll see good defense on both sides. We're not really sure what we'll see offensively, but you and Mark were making this point. Like this is for both of these guys, these younger skill players on for both Louisville and Cincinnati, this is your chance to make a really good first impression with your new head coach on both sides. Right. And, and that's what's going to be so intriguing to see, KG, especially – we just don't know who we're going to see out there. We, we don't know who's going to be available, who's opted out. I know a lot of people that have. I know who's not going to be there. Um, 
And man, it just makes you think what an opportunity if I'm a young guy to go out there and prove myself, to prove that I want to be here, to prove my my work ethic and, and how I can study a game plan, especially in these adverse situations. So it, it's a great opportunity for them. We've got coaching changes on both sides. We've got one coach jumping to the other team. Uh, we've got so many players that are out. So as you said, defensive slugfest, go under heavy on this. I, I agree with you with that point total. I just don't know who's available to score points, you know, right. for, for either team there. So the one positive thing I guess you could say for, for Louisville is that Brock Doman has been in this situation where he's had to be the guy, has a couple of wind under, under his belt there. Jordan has, has done a great job at the running back position. So that's probably the, the most likely combo that we're going to see out there for Louisville. Um, I'm just intrigued to see with Cincinnati too, though, because this is a defense that was number one in the American in, in points, in yardage. They were second in sacks. That's what they do. Louisville, number two team, I think they were in, in the country in sacks and, and created turnovers. So we've got two really good units that are going to be playing at a, such a high level. Cincinnati, a bunch of guys that are out, skilled players, playmakers for them. It's going to be fascinating, KG, just to see who's going to be there from a coaching standpoint to call these things, who's going to be there from a personnel to make the plays on the field. Who steps up? And Mark Guinness was saying, what, five quality control guys are going to be <laughs> position crazy. coaches crazy. for Louisville? I mean, think, let me just tell you this. A quality control guy would be like me just getting done playing, and now I'm like a GA, and now yeah. I'm a position coach in this bowl game. Like, they probably played with some of these guys, and it's, it's wow. nuts. That is a crazy situation. It is. And I think the question <laughs> to ask, especially in our modern bowl season, is which team do we think cares more? And that's the team that you should most likely go with. I think in some of these ACC bowls, the the uh, question and the answer to that is obvious. For example, Cheez-It Bowl. Florida State's probably going to care more than Oklahoma. I think you know right. that. You can book that. In this game, you know, Cincinnati, yeah, their coach left on better terms, even though they still he still left them. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a 10th win. They're looking to go yeah. back-to-back double-digit win seasons with making the playoff last year and a 10th win here. That would mean a lot to the older players on this team. And then for Louisville, your coach literally left you for the team across the sideline or maybe on on the same sideline because we're playing in a baseball stadium. (laughs) So in my mind, I think perhaps Louisville has a little more of that want-to factor, but also this is a rivalry. This is a group of five, even though Cincinnati's been in the playoff and Louisville hasn't, trying to knock off a power five. I'm not sure. I think both teams are going to care. Whoever's playing, I don't know who's playing. But I think whoever's playing, th- those players are going to care about this game. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm really interested though, just to see you know Cincinnati's mindset because last year they were in a playoff. Last year they were That's in true. the That's a good point. game, and now you're in one of the first bowl games being played. Like that is a drastic turnaround. True. So are are we going to see that motivation? Are we going to see those guys, as you said, kind of channel that? Let's do it for the older guys. Let's send the senior group you know, outright who's left and who's playing. Um, that will be kind of fascinating mm-hmm. to see. I, I think, you know, the, the the one X factor piece, and I try to touch on this with, with Mark, you know, with, with seeing Dion Branch be the coach, I think that's going to be the motivating factor that takes Louisville over the top. I think that's going to be why they win. I think that he's going to talk that talk. I think that he's going to talk about how this coach left you for this team. What are you going to do about it? And I think that matters. I think Yusur Abdullah has a massive day. I think Yaya Diaby, if he still plays, if nothing changes from 
when this is released to the bowl game. I think he's going to have a big day. And ultimately, that Louisville defense, maybe even score some points, is the reason why Louisville gets this dub. They tend to do that. They've done that throughout the year. The defense has. Mac, all of our speculation on this game leads us to now. We must make a pick. And we talked with Mark Ennis about it. He honestly didn't really give us a pick. He said, take the under. I think we all agree on that. He opted out of making picks. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Everyone's opting out. You can opt out of whatever you want these days. It's unbelievable. But no, Mac, we don't opt out. We make picks. That's right. I am going to take Louisville. I'm taking Louisville minus one. I think this is basically a pick so go with it, whatever you want. I just can't, from a from a player perspective, I can't get over your coach saying deuces <laughs> via text or whatever he did and leaving you for the team across the way. Like, I'm, I'm going to take that personally, and I think Louisville's going to take it personally. Yeah, 100%. I think that that is the fuel that they need. I think that that is going to be the inspiration that they need where – they go to get it done. And again, I think Abdullah goes crazy. I think this is a massive exclamation point on his career. I think this sends him with a lot of momentum, you know, going into to kind of these all-star games if he's selected, mm-hmm. the, the combine process if he gets to participate in that and ultimately land him on a really good team. So I'm going with the cards. I'm taking the under big time. Um, I, I just think that this is going to be a defensive brawl. A brawl. I think that's a great word for it, Mac. The brawl in Fenway. <laughs> All right, our next bowl game we're going to touch on in this episode is on December 23rd. The the ACC bowl schedule was odd, so we had to kind of put this one earlier. We'll re-put it out there um, a little closer to when Wake Forest plays, but December 23rd, we have the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN on December 23rd, as we said. The total is 61 which is very interesting here. And Wake, or 16 and a half, it's down to 16 and a half. Wake is a one-point favorite. Mac, I know that this is your thing when we have this Wake Forest versus Missouri game. Sam Hartman is what? Oh, yeah, tell, us, yeah, yeah. tell us where Sam Hartman is. I was like, what's my thing? I was kind of looking around like, <laughs> what am I supposed to say here? Uh, is it something with Union Mortgage something? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> tell yeah, us here, more about Union yeah, Mortgage. Right. I, I, can't, I cannot. I cannot tell you a thing about it. Uh, here's the deal. Sam is one touchdown away. Sam is tied right now for, for the most ever touchdown passes thrown in the ACC. He, I think the only reason he's playing in the game is to get that record, in which – I don't know if that's confirmed. I'm just assuming uh, that he goes in and gets that. I I hope so. I hope so. Um, I I think the way he talks about things, the way he does it, I would not be shocked if he throws that one dime and gets out. And and we see the Mitch Griffith show. And and we see the future of Wake Forest is going to be. I would not be shocked about that. But at the same time, it also, I think, depends on what his decision is on the future. It depends on, is he going to go to another school and, and transfer and get some NIL money? Or is he truly going to the NFL? Because if it's if it's if he's going to another school, I think he wants to protect himself and not you know get banged up or anything crazy like that. I guess you could say the same for the NFL as well. I don't know. I have a weird feeling. That's what we're hmm. going to see. I have a real, really weird feeling. Do you really think, Mac? And we both covered Sam Hartman for a long time now. You mm-hmm. perhaps a little closer, just being on Wake's campus, speaking with him there. Do you really think he's going to play another year somewhere else? Because and I, I get that there were some quotes about that recently, but when he was talking with us, he said, like, I'm done, I'm done with college. And I know he probably meant wake, but <laughs> I just, Sam Hartman is wake. It's kind of like in the professional ranks when you see a guy leave a team and you're like, no, you should have been a yeah. Laker for life or whatever. Like Sam yeah. Hartman is a deke for life, Mac. Right. I don't want to see this. 
Well, you know, a couple million dollars, I'll be whatever team you want me to be. I'll be whoever you want me I to be. I think we're throwing around some of those numbers to say, oh, he's going to go make millions somewhere else. No, I think that's what it'll be. I, I, I think do. that's an exaggeration. We'll find out. We'll find out. And the only reason, listen, the only Wait, reason- Millions? I mean, no one's making, I mean, Bryce Young has signed some huge deals. Yeah, we just don't know. We just don't. I mean, I've heard stuff. I've heard rumors that, you know, that that young kid coming into Tennessee's already made $8 million at NIL. $8 million? Just selling you. That's what they Do we say. know how much money is eight, $8 million is? <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many pennies is Who is paying him that? <laughs> Somebody. Oh, is. my God. But here's the deal. The only reason I even say that, bring that up, KG, is because Clawson addressed that in a press yeah. conference. Like, I did not think that. I saw some stuff. On Instagram, I saw some stuff on Twitter. I was like, y'all are y'all are full of it. This is not true. And then he says that, and he says, you know, if our quarterback goes and decides to do this and we wouldn't be mad at him, I'm like, well, hold on. Right. Where did that come from? Like, wh- is, is there something? Like, tell us. So, to me, That's a good point. I think there's a chance. And, and so it's going to be fascinating to see. But here's the deal. When you look at this game, man, the University of Tennessee killed these guys. I mean, they lit them up 740 yards kg in a singular game like you should not be allowed to play football the rest of the year if that happens to you 66 points uh wake forest should be able to replicate some of that through the air especially with those great receivers they have with the run game that they've shown at times i'm fascinated to see this attack and if and how much sam hartman plays me too and i think the big difference here when you look at both of these teams depending on hartman is Wake has not really had anyone opt out as of now, Mm -hmm. and Missouri's had quite a few guys opt out, including their best player, Dominique Lovett, who is entering the transfer portal, the wide receiver. So that that is a big concern. And for Missouri, I I think, yeah, winning a bowl game is still an accomplishment. It's an accomplishment anywhere, but at Missouri it matters. I think at Wake they've taken a lot of pride, especially recently under Clawson and even with Sam Hartman, in getting to bowl games and winning mm-hmm. bowl games. So yeah. I think there's that part of this for Wake Forest. The main thing that worries me for Wake is just how they finish the year. And I know you say they do this every year, but they don't lose four of their last five every year. They might lose two of their last five. Wait, most, that makes sense? Most, yeah, they win three, like go three and two. But to go one and four, you're. and I know a lot of those games were close, but you're not feeling – Great about your ability to go win, especially if this game is close. And then on the flip side, and I think I gave this stat on Monday, Missouri in their last nine games is six and three against the spread. Mm-hmm. So they've been good against the number. Spread here is just weight minus one. So all that worries me a little, Mac. I'm, I'm looking this up for you as we speak here. And I think I think it starts in 2019. So they're, 2019. They're November. 2019. These guys were seven and one, feeling really good. Just beat NC State 44 to 10 in 2019. They then lose to Virginia Tech. They then lose to get murdered by Clemson, beat Duke, and then lose to Syracuse. They go one and four in their last five. Yeah. You look at 2020, I don't think that really counts COVID year. They didn't have, you know, half their team. You look at 2021, these guys were eight and oh. I think they were top 10 in the entire country (laughs) to finish in November. They go two and three. Like yeah, it's two just, and three is better than one and four. <laughs> it's just what they do. And then twenty twenty two, they go one and four. Did like, they win their bowl just, game in twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen. Let's see. Because I know they won their bowl game last year. They did win it last year. Now I know they Texas A and M. They barely lost to uh, Michigan State. They lost by a That's touchdown right. to Michigan. That's State. right. Okay. 
So it's right there. I mean, it's and they lost to Wisconsin. They got killed by Wisconsin in 2020. That was terrible. So it's just unfortunately, yeah. it's what they do. It's what they do. And I don't know if it's a depth thing. I don't. Which actually, that's what I think it is. I think yeah. they're great players are fantastic. And then it just takes some time to get that second level of guys, which we've seen that, I guess not actually this year, same thing, it's worse. Um, you, you hope to see that start to disappear a little bit, yeah. but it just, it hadn't been the case. And so when you get to the thick of the season, you get to that championship phase where you're supposed to be feeling great. You're ready to roll. You're making a big push. They're out of gas. And, and quite frankly, the, the competition ramps up a little bit and you can't make it happen. You can't keep up you know, for that reason. So it's something that, you know, they just have to address. And, okay, you say, how do you address that? Because do you work harder in the weight room? Well, kind of, but that also can hurt you. You just Mm -hmm. have to develop that depth behind you. Go out to the portal if you can. Get a couple of, of, uh, you know, supplementary pieces, which I know Wake Forest is a great institution. And, you know, not just everybody can go there. Uh, But that's how you take this thing to the next level. That's how we're not just excited to be in the top 10. Like we're going to stay in the top 10. We're going to stay at this point and we're, we're going to win a championship. We're not just going to play for one or get blown out in one. So, you know, I think that's kind of the next step for Wake Forest. And and certainly I think Clawson's the guy to do it. I mean, I, I'm, I say this all the time, KG, I don't know how or why he is not mentioned for these bigger jobs when there are openings. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if it's, he's at Wake, it's a small school, this won't work, but he has said admittedly so that I wouldn't do this anywhere else. I do what I do because of where I am and because of the situation. If I was at Clemson, I wouldn't have this problem. I wouldn't do the things that we have to do here. So I, I selfishly do not want him to leave the ACC. Right. But from a perspective of seeing greatness, I would like to see him at a massive program just to see what it would look like. I think he would work. I think he's he's really proven himself with this this way at Wake. And what he's done at Wake is incredible. And it, that's the thing is there are probably more coaches, and this is some people might get mad about this, but there are most likely more coaches that could win at Clemson than could win at Wake. 100%. Because that's Wake very is, is a difficult place to win. Yeah. I was surprised he wasn't more in the mix for like the Stanford job. I think right. Stanford is a place that makes sense yeah. where he could maybe replicate what he's done at Wake. But I think he's also very happy at Wake. So that's mm-hmm. part of it, Mac. And they're they're giving him whatever he wants. I mean, they're they're paying yeah. him well. They're giving him facilities. Obviously, he's shown he can win. So it, it's a thing that we hear from these coaches all the time. Do not mess up happy. Like right. if you're in a good spot, if it checks all your boxes, why not just hang out? Yeah, and they're getting fan support too, and selling out at Wake, which yeah. you know has never really it's happened tough. before. Ever, ever. I think when when we when we come down to picking this game, Mac, the nitty gritty here again, it's Wake minus one, so it's it's another pick. I'm just like the Fenway Bowl. Not only is Lovett opting out for Mizzou, but they also have three really good defensive players that have opted out to prepare for the draft. And I, I'm just going to go – I'm going to go with the team where I feel like they have the better quarterback, even though Brady Cook is a, is a really good athlete for Missouri. And I'm going to go with a team with less opt-outs. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> I really do. And in all of Wake's losses in November, they have been close games. They have just haven't found a way to win. That's been yeah. a, a big issue for them besides the Louisville game. Let's not talk about that. So I'm going to go Wake. Wake minus one. I think it's a great pick, and, and all those reasons make sense. The, the one thing that does concern me is that quarterback that you mentioned for Missouri, a guy that is a great athlete, runs all over the place. The, the last you know two or three games, excuse me, he went over 110 yards twice. Uh, he's been over 50 yards like every other game this season. And 
That's something that can hurt defenses, especially if you're undisciplined, especially if you try to get up rush lanes and not be in your spot. Where now, okay, it's interesting. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's way too much firepower. I, I think Wake Forest has it going on. And I think that the uh, the Deeks get it done and get back on track and have a little momentum going into this offseason. So I got them rolling. Over under, man, 60 is a ton of points. I think I'm going to go under there as well. Yeah, I, I think I would lean under there in that game when you have, again, Missouri without love it and just wakes. Their offense hasn't been as explosive as of yeah. late. So I agree with yeah. you on that, Mac. We will see with our, our first two bowl games of the season here in the ACC. That's right. Come on. A lot more games. We have seven more ACC games. I think I did that quick math right in my head. It's scary. Anytime I, I have to do math, KG, it's, Me too. it's, it's a little terrifying, uh, but a, a lot of fun previews, a lot of great guests, guys. We're, we're doing you know some of these a little bit early. This one, we'll pull back the curtain we're doing the day before, but a lot of these other interviews, we're, we're knocking out and you'll see them throughout the month of mm-hmm. December. Our Duke's Mayo guests, we've got some really cool ones, really fun interviews. Can't wait to share those stories and perspectives of some guys that are moving on from the ACC that are going to the next level, some really young cats that that are going to be you know kind of superstars in this league for years to come. So that's it from us. Do me a favor. Go check out Richmond Weaver's podcast, Rich Take on Sports, anywhere you get your podcast. So many great stories, so many fun sports stories, all walks of life there. If you're going through something, he's got somebody that can relate to you. I love watching and checking those out. Um, but we also need you to go to our YouTube channel. We need you to go to our Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It's been so fun to read your guys' comments in the comment section on YouTube and also the the different ratings and reviews that we get over on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Apple, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Apple iTunes. I'm stuttering bad. I'm thinking about this baby that I got to go run and protect right now. Uh, but that, that's it from us, guys. Graham looking back lane brought to you by Duke's Mayo. Thank you guys so much. That's it from us. But until next time, we'll see you all.